today on Walk in Truth, we explore Esther chapter 5. Esther has decided to make a stand, but now it's time to take that stand. It's one thing to decide to do the right thing. It's quite another to do it. Well, Esther is going to enter into the royal palace, and it's going to be a question of whether the golden scepter will extend to her, and it does. And she stands by grace today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. If I was just to say to you, having studied the Bible, as you guys have for many years now, many of you, Three days reminds you of what? The resurrection. And so in some way, scholars would argue here, and this comes from some Jewish sources as well, that some sort of transformation has happened to Esther in the process of the three days. From the time that she's confronted, she says, hey, if you go to the king unsummoned, you die. To Uncle Mordecai, or uh, Cousin Mordecai, I should say, saying to her, you know what, if you cower back, if you let fear win the day, don't think that you can hide somewhere in the palace and you're gonna get by. And I want you to imagine for a second if Esther did not respond, if Esther said no, if maybe she said yes, but then when the moment came, she cowered in some room or decided I'm not gonna go or whatever. How would the story be different? I don't know for sure. We've got another story, uh, you know, Jonah who does run from God, right? And God turns him around and all of that. But we just don't know for sure. And I wanna ask you to consider your story tonight. Because some of you are at a defining moment in your walk. Some of you are at a crossroads. Some of you have just started to get serious about Jesus Christ. You've just decided to really identify yourself with the new covenant, uh, with being a Christian, with saying, you know what, I'm not going wa- to walk in, in two worlds, or I'm not going to sit on the fence anymore. And your story is going to change based upon whether or not you're all in. We are in a prayer meeting just uh, tonight before we came out here, and uh, one, of our, one of our leaders had come across a Gallup poll, and he said, you know, uh, this is something he mentioned as he was reading the stats in front of us, that uh, they, they've interviewed a bunch of professing Christians and found that only 12% of professing Christians are really serious about letting the Word of God change their life in some substantial way. Did you hear that? That's 12%. That means 88% of the respondents are not serious about God's word changing their life in some substantial way. If you're wondering what's going on with Christianity in the United States, can I say to you that right there is the issue? It's, It's Jesus saying to us, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now, it is true that we all wrestle with our humanity And it is true that sometimes we fail to do what we even want to do because of the wrestling with the flesh and the world and the devil. We all know that. But it all starts with a willingness to be willing. And if you're not even willing, if you're polled in some Gallup poll and you say with the 88% others, no, I'm really not open to some significant change happening in my life by the authority of the word of God, then we got a problem, friends, right from Jump Street. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
We got a problem right there because if you come in with that attitude, then you might as well put a deflector shield around yourself and just, just admit when you walk through the doors that nothing's going to really penetrate you on any deep level. Now, knowing you the way that I do, I know that's, that's not you. I know you come in here and, you know, I know a lot of you personally, and I know you come in here and you buckle your seatbelt and you say, okay, here we go, right? Here, here comes the word of God, right? And now, now I can decide what I want to do. Now, now I can decide if I'm really going to be serious about it, you know, bringing change into my life. It doesn't mean you're not going to wrestle with it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through times when, you know, you're a brand new Christian and you're wrestling with even knowledge of what you should do. But the writers, the Jewish writers, would talk about Hosea 6.2, this three-day period, and they would say that they would, they would grab some of these thoughts in the Midrash from these ideas. And here's what it says. It says, Hosea 6.1 and 2, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He, was, he has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. I would submit to you that Hadassah or Esther, her Persian name, Hadassah, her Hebrew name, has had a resurrection of sorts. And her resurrection has taken place in one of the most difficult moments of her life where she's decided to stand and she's only going to stand by the power of God. And if I were to call you guys up and ask you to share your story about when you became a Christian and when you really got serious with the Lord, I think some of you might paint it in those kinds of terms. There was kind of a resurrection in my life, a change. You know, to, to resurrect literally means to stand up, right? It's the standing up. And spiritually speaking, that's what we're called to do. To, we're new creations in Christ and we're called to stand, to, to go from lifeless to full of life. That, that's the Christian life. Now, who gave Esther the power to stand? Of course, it's God. They're in the midst of a fast, implicit in a fast. Prayer is not mentioned, as I mentioned last week, but they're, surely they're praying. Surely Esther's been praying for three days as she's been fasting. And I'm sure she's got her doubts. I'm sure she's been struggling with the reality of standing at that door right outside the palace and wondering if her life is going to end. She's a, still a, a relatively young woman. She may be, just be in her 20s, maybe even in her early 20s at this point. Isn't it amazing how a lot of the major heroes in the Bible were pretty young when they were called to do some very major things? Um, archaeological evidence, by the way, shows in two base reliefs that they found, they excavated from a place called Persepolis, which is in the Persian area. They, they found reliefs or uh, these, these uh, drawings, if you will, of a Persian king, very likely King Xerxes or Ahasuerus, seated on his throne with a long scepter in his hand. These are in these ancient reliefs. An attendant is behind the king, behind him seated on his throne, and it's a soldier holding a large axe, which affirms the biblical account that if you went to the king unsummoned or you did something that displeased him, there was a man ready to chop your head off. This is no joke. 
This is what this woman was facing at this moment. Was going in there and not knowing if she was going to live or die. She said it in her own words. If I perish, I perish. And that was very real. That's not just some bedtime story. That's not just some once upon a time. This is historically, archaeologically verified. And these kings, you never knew what they were going to do. They weren't all the most stable people on the planet. They weren't. There was, you know, in some of the most famous world leaders of history, emotional stability was not their long suit. Just because they conquered lands and peoples and were military geniuses doesn't mean they were stable in the rest of their lives. You're just hoping that Xerxes had his coffee that day, you know, before you came in unsummoned. And so she puts on her royal robes. And she stands. Isn't it interesting? It's ironic. Her people are mourning, but she dons the robes of royalty. You know, they've been mourning and fasting, but she has to dress in the regalia of the queen. And by the providential hand of God, she is the queen. Even though she's a Jewish young woman who would have no right, no authority, not even be in the vicinity to approach this Persian leader. God has made her the queen of Persia for such a time as this. Don't forget it. The only reason she could put on the royal robes to begin with is because God providentially has led her to this point. And I'm sure she can retrace the steps, maybe even after that three days of fasting and say, I've gotten here simply by the hand of God and I'm gonna wrap myself in the royal robes and we are wrapped in the robes of royalty by the power of Jesus Christ. He grants us those who mourn in Zion. He gives a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Turn to your right. Go to Isaiah 61. That's what I just quoted, but I want to show you the rest so you can mark it. You're going to go to your right. Uh, pass up the Psalms and Proverbs. Keep on going a little bit more. Isaiah 61. Let's pick up the account at verse 8 because this is beautiful and it kind of goes with the, the mourning motif and then the royal robes and what God gives us. And this is something that Jesus quoted when he was reading from in the synagogue. And here's what it goes on to say, 61.8. I just quoted, quoted verses 1 through 3. For I, the Lord, 61.8 of Isaiah, love justice. I hate robbery and the burnt offering. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations, their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring uh, whom the Lord has blessed. 10. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Turn back to Esther chapter five. <laughs> Esther has donned herself in the robes of royalty. But I want you to see that she's wrapped herself in another sense in the power of God. And every time you spend time in prayer, 
Every time you open up the world. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Today, it's very important to know what you believe and why you believe it. Do you have an answer when your friends, family, or coworker asks you about your faith in Christ? The Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith. You can take online or on-campus classes on subjects like Christian apologetics, Christian doctrine, world religion, contemporary cults, and much more. Enrollment for the spring quarter is open now until April 12th. Visit thetruthacademy.com today to register. That's thetruthacademy.com. See you in class. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Esther has donned herself in the robes of royalty. But I want you to see that she's wrapped herself in another sense in the power of God. And every time you spend time in prayer, every time you open up the word of God, every time by faith you put on the armor of God, every time you ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit, to give you his eyes and his heart, you are being wrapped with the royalty of the power of God. In fact, we have in us the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, would to God that we would tap into that more. Would to God that we would clothe ourselves with the robes of royalty more. Yes, we are clothed in salvation. That's the difference between the grace words. We are saved by grace positionally right now. We've got it, not by works. But there's another kind of clothing. We gotta put off the old and put on the new. That's something we do after we get saved. We've gotta put on grace. We've gotta clothe ourselves in the garments of grace to fight this battle. The battle against our own flesh, the battle against the devil, the battle against the world, the battle against ourselves, the spiritual warfare that goes on. You could sense at this moment deep breaths being taken outside the palace, you know, the doors of the palace, and I'm sure Esther's kind of doing something like this. Okay, here we go, here we go. Hold on a minute, I need about 10 more of those. I'm sure she had to muster up the courage. I'm sure she was deep breaths, prayer, perspiration, heart palpitations. Oh Lord, help. Oh Lord, be my strength. I've donned these royal robes only because you've put me at this place. And there she is. She's in front of the king's rooms, 5-1 of Esther. The king was sitting on the royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. Behind him is the man with the ax, a Persian Median soldier ready to do the king's bidding. She breathes deep. And it happened when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's the moment right there, right? That's the moment where you're either going to live or die. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which I mentioned to you is pictured in the relief that they dug up from this area which was in his hand. And so Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. See, what really mattered is whether the king extended the golden scepter. If he did, you lived. If he didn't, you did. Or you're going to get banished, minimally banished. 
uh, in the VeggieTales version of the book of Esther. You know I had to go there, right? I think at the end of the story, when Haman is found out, he is sent off to the island of perpetual tickling. No, 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 no! And there he is, and someone's got a feather, and, <laughs> and they're tickling him. The island of perpetual tickling, no! Anything but that. I used to do that to my kids when they were younger. I would do Mr. Drill. And I'd get them on the ground, and of course I was strong enough to hold them down, which I'm no longer able to. <laughs> and I'd raise up one of their arms, and right under the armpit, I would go And they'd be kind of be laughing, and then it would turn into some crying. And a little bit of laughing. And I would say something like this. Did you take the last Snickers bar? Mr. Drill. Anyway. Now they have underarm hair and all that. You can't do that anymore. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> They're like, why does he do that to us? Anyway. I don't put this stuff in my notes. Sometimes it just comes to me. Anyway. The king extended the golden scepter. Some of the commentaries I was reading from, the older commentaries say that Esther came and kissed the top of the scepter. I don't know if that's the case. It just says that she touched it. And uh, it, it, it made me think of a story of the woman with the hemorrhage of blood. Remember what she's saying? If I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And then Jesus says, who touched me? And she reveals herself in that moment. And uh, the, the, the king here has held forth the golden scepter. Uh, it's, it's a sign of acceptance. And once you touch it, you become safe in the presence of the king now. You're, you're secure. He, he's given you favor. He's given you a sign of grace. And you touch it, and he extends the scepter. And once you touch it, you receive the grace. And there's commentators of old that have said, even though this is a pagan king in a pagan court, there's a picture of the gospel. Because God extends his grace. He puts out the scepter of grace to us, but we've got to receive it by extending the hand to take it. You see, you're saved by grace, but that's through faith, through the channel of faith. God extends the golden grace, the, the scepter to us, but we've got to receive it We've got to touch it, if you will. It's, it's as though God's saying, my hand goes out uh, all day long. I stretch out my hands, he says of Israel, to a disobedient and obstinate people. And Israel wouldn't come because of unbelief. They wouldn't believe in Jesus. Well, here's Esther, and she has touched the scepter. She's identified with her people, but she's also the queen. It reminds me of Genesis 6-8 when it, the Bible says that Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, finding favor here is the Hebrew word ken. <laughs> or we would just say ken, C-H-E-N. She found grace in the eyes of the king and that's what's happened to you if you're a Christian. You found grace in the eyes of the king. You're able to approach now a throne of grace 
that you might receive mercy and help in time of need. And you could imagine that there were probably other people in the court. There were seven that were always with the king in the inner court. And maybe they were saying something like this. How dare her? What does she think she's doing? She's unsummoned, unsummoned, unsummoned. Maybe the guy with the ax is sharpening it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get to work today. Who does she think she is? Well, she is the queen. But remember, she hasn't been summoned for 30 days. It's been a month since the king has called for her. So she doesn't really even know where she stands with him. But she found favor in his sight. The word for favor or grace in the Hebrew picture language means the fence to protect life. And once she touched the scepter, she was, she was safe. Grace pr protects us from our failures and from our sins. Grace robes us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The golden scepter has gone out and Esther was granted life. She wasn't going to die that day. Esther knew for certain, says one writer, she had obtained this favor when the king seated on his throne extended the golden scepter. He extended it to her and she came near. She touched it. Esther's execution or banishment would have been an ominous uh, sign had the king not done that. It would have meant that the Jewish people were probably going to perish as well. She was kind of a representative or an intercessor or a mediator, if you will. But he did extend it. And by virtue of that, grace was going to go to the people as well. On the third day, in the throne room of the king, Esther was granted life instead of death. Mercy and grace instead of judgment. Such famous uh, Christian exegetes like Martin Luther associated this beautiful picture of grace with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Grace extended and grace received. He associated the king's scepter with the gospel of Jesus Christ in his exegesis of Psalm 2.9. You will rule them with an iron scepter. He writes, quote, This is the rod before whose tip in the hand of Joseph, Jacob bowed, and whose point the blessed Esther kissed. Grace was extended, and grace was received. I think it's hard for the modern Christian to understand the love of God. But God the Father so loved the world that he gave his son. It's amazing to think of the great love with which God has loved us, that he extended the golden scepter in sending Jesus Christ into this world, the King of kings and Lord of lords died and bore our sin and shame that we could walk into that throne room and be accepted and be wrapped in grace. As you study the book of Hebrews, you will find uh, five times the phrase draw near. In the book of Hebrews, for example, it says we are to draw near uh, to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. We're to draw near to our great mediator. He ever lives to intercede for us. We're to draw near with confidence and boldness to the throne, not of judgment. We go to a throne of grace. And each time you come to that throne, brothers and sisters, a golden scepter is extended because you're in good standing with the king. You're already royalty. He has decided, little flock, to give you the kingdom. You are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, or depth will ever separate you from the love of God, 
which is in Jesus Christ our Lord, the scepter stays extended, the gold of royalty to us. Jesus said, you're going to even sit on my throne. You're going to be part of the judging of angels. There's going to be a millennial reign of Christ where we'll be kings and priests because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Somebody please get excited. Well, I hope you're as excited as I am about the freedom and favor that we have found from the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have a pretty rambunctious congregation, at least at times, and we have a, a brother named Paul. He's a servant of the Most High God. Instead of saying amen or hallelujah, he says, woohoo. And I tell you what, he's an excited guy, and it's good to get excited about things that are eternal. You know, the gospel that has saved our soul. Two things to remember, if you have tuned in halfway through today's teaching, please feel free to go back and listen again on our website. All the teachings there at walkintruth.com. The entire message is there. You can listen to today's teaching. You can hear previous ones. You can hear teaching from other books. If you missed the first four chapters, then you're in for a real treat because you can hear all of those as well. You can listen anytime at your convenience at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Well, make sure you go to church this Sunday because it's not just about going to church. It's about being the church. And when you're not there, the church misses you because you're a vital part of the body. Get into fellowship. Worship with your brothers and sisters. If you've been away for a while, get back. It's really only one step back. And trust me, it makes a huge difference in your walk when you're in fellowship. Of course, tune in on Monday as we'll Get more on Esther chapter 5 called Standing by Grace. Until then, have a great weekend. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.